0: Well, good morning, everyone. How are y'all? All right. Merry Christmas, by the way, here in a week, getting excited. Um, thank you, Pastor Mike, for the the invitation and the welcome. Um, my name is Brennan, and my wife, Brittany, are two little girls, Kenneth and Avalyn, and um, we're glad to be here. We've been in Richmond, Virginia, for the past two months, going through training with the uh, International Mission Board. And so it's been a good time. We're also glad it's over. And we do leave here December 27th, uh, deploy over to Central Asia, which I'll talk more in detail here in a second. Um, I, was getting, I was feeling a little weak near the end of that training in two months, and I wasn't sure what, what it was. I've been eating my vitamins, and but I realized I hadn't had a good brisket or Mexican food for two months up from Virginia. So, glad to be back, and I'm still working on getting that, too. I got in yesterday. So if you wouldn't mind, if you have your Bible, uh, before I talk about us, just let's look at God's Word for a little while. Mark 8, uh, verse 31. And I think there's an example here from the disciples that we can take uh, and just evaluate our own lives with. That's Mark chapter 8, verse 31. As I read this, I want you to pay attention to what Jesus is trying to obviously get across to the disciples and then what they miss as well. Uh, when he, What he's trying to tell them. This is right after Peter confessed that Jesus is the Christ. So they know that Jesus is is the is the chosen one. And he's the Christ. And so um, verse 31 is leading right after that. It says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priest and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. I know he said this plainly to the disciples. Very clear, very upfront and open about what was about to happen to him in his life. Look over in uh, chapter 9, just a page over or so, in verse 30. Jesus, for a second time, tells them what's about to happen. In verse 30 it says, They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. So we see Jesus being also here very clear, very upfront and open about exactly what's going to happen to him. He's going to be handed over to these scribes and Pharisees and these, these teachers of the law. They're going to kill him and he's going to rise again three days later. Very clear. Look one more place for me in chapter 10 verse 32. Chapter 10 verse 32. And we have a third time Jesus foretells his death and about what's going to happen. And he says, They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to teach them what was about to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And deliver him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him. And spit on him. And flog him. And kill him. And after three days. He will rise. So even as they are walking into Jerusalem. Jesus reminds them for a third time. This is what is going to happen to me. Be, be aware. This is exactly what is going to happen to me. Let's look in uh, Luke 24. I'm I am sorry to make you move over. Jump over so much. But I think it is going to be worth it. Just over in Luke um, chapter 24 and verse one to kind of finalize what this point I'm trying to make here. Uh, Luke 24, verse 1, it says, "...but on the day of the first of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus." While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man and be crucified on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to, to them like an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. So we see here Jesus warns them three times. What's going to happen very clearly, very specifically, even right before it happens... And then we also see here in Luke 24, when the women show up to the tomb, the angel, what does he say? Remember what he told you. And then even the women come and tell the disciples and still they are, they have difficulty believing. They believe it to be an idle tale. Only one guy even goes check and that's Peter. He runs down to the tomb and finds out to be true. And so here we have the, the disciples, they've been told clearly what's supposed to happen. They have difficulty believing and hearing, and, and they, they don't move past that. And I think there's two reasons. Two reasons why the disciples had such a difficulty hearing and believing. I think the first thing was a misunderstanding. They had a misunderstanding of what Christ came to do. If you were to read on, we had time on the road to Emmaus, when the two disciples were walking by themselves... And Jesus came up beside them and they didn't know, recognize it was Jesus and they were explaining to Jesus what had happened. They said, we thought he had come, he had died and we thought he had come to redeem Israel. And he thought he was some type of political ruler or leader that was going to rise up the nation of Israel and uh, defeat those around him. And, but it didn't happen that way. So the first thing I think they had a misunderstanding of what Jesus came and what he was doing. The second thing I think was a lack of faith that they have in Jesus. They had Jesus they seen Jesus do lots of miracles and things and powerful things among the people. But I think when he kept talking about himself being risen from the dead, it was maybe just a bit too far. And so they had a lack of faith in Jesus. Only Peter is the only one that ran back uh, to check out if it, things were true. And they still believe it was an idle tale. Obviously, Jesus eventually did show up and, and said, hey, look at me. I'm here. Believe. And they did at that point. And so we poke fun at the disciples, I think, about this quite a bit. We look at, we see these stories and we say, man, well, how did they miss that? It is so clear. It says clear. Three times he went up to him and he said, this is what's going to happen. This is what it's going to look like. I mean, I think if somebody told me they were going to die and race from the dead three days later, three times, I might be listening and looking for it to happen. And hopefully believe it. But they missed it. So my question is for us today and for me individually, am, are, are we missing something like that? Is Jesus, is God told us plainly? in the scripture something that we're not doing maybe you know here we had it three times and they missed it there's something that God is very very clear in his scripture and told us to us plainly that we should be about in our lives here on earth but we're missing it because we're hard to hear we have a lack of understanding maybe we have a lack of faith and I think there is something maybe that many of us the church in general the people of God are missing out and I think that's in the biggest place we find that is in Matthew 28 let me turn one more place for me Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. I'm gonna see if we can hit all the gospels this morning. That's our goal. Matthew twenty eighteen. And I think this is what has been plainly revealed to us, just like the disciples. And they missed out. I hope we don't miss out on this. In chapter twenty verse um, eighteen, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. And the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the last thing that Jesus told us to be about and to do. Until he comes back and tells us something new to do, this is what we're supposed to be about. This is the plain thing that has been revealed to us. Now, the disciples, even though we make fun of them and poke fun of them, they didn't miss out on this, did they? If you read on in Acts, guess what happens they changed the world. They believe it with all their heart. And we're still talking about... We're here today because the disciples took it seriously and they didn't miss it at that point. And so they went on and they, they, they recovered from uh, their lack of faith and their hard-heartedness and those things. So the question is, what are we missing out? And I think most Christians are missing out. I think the Great Commission is the biggest thing in our lives that we are to be about in this world. I fear so much in my life that if I were to die and I show up into heaven in God's presence and I realize at that point it's just like a snap of the finger, I realized, man, I wasn't about the Great Commission like I was supposed to be about. And I knew all my whole life on this earth in the back of my mind that was there, I was like, I need to be more about this, I need to reach out more, I need to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around me, and I don't want I don't want to be that person. I want to walk into God's presence and say, God, this is what I did. And I think this is what you wanted me to do. And he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I don't want to be told to me. I don't want to I don't want to be hard hearing like the disciples. Now all of us as Christians, we have two things in common in terms of our goals and our mission. Our first thing was we all had the same motivation. Second Corinthians five fourteen, the love of Christ compels us, or Romans twelve one, I urge you brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies living sacrifices. Those things that God has done for us. We are to make His glory known and His name known among all peoples. We all have the same motivation. What has Christ have done for us should motivate us to love those around us. So that's the first thing we have in common is our motivation. The second thing we have in common, I think, we all have the same mission. It doesn't mean what, doesn't matter what your calling is in life. It doesn't matter what you're good at, or your gifts, or even your spiritual gift. If it doesn't do the main thing, which is the Great Commission, which we just read here in Matthew 28, then you're missing out. You're missing out and your life is lacking its true purpose. I think this is extremely important for us to realize because I want my life to count. Now, we are to live out the Great Commission everywhere we are. And so even all of us have the Great Commission as our mission and Christ and His love for us. What He's done for us as our motive, we have to live that out wherever we're at. If we're at our workplace, among our friends, our circles of influence, in all these places, we are to love these people and share the good news with them and not just be nice to them. Not just um, do nice things for them, but to be bold and share the good news with them because that's what we're supposed to be about, the Great Commission. So you need to seek God and find your calling for your life. And if you're working out this Great Commission in your life day in and day out, Now, here in the Great Commission, we read, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Well, if God didn't call you to the nations to go to another foreign place, then how are we supposed to work together to reach the nations? Because we are doing those around us, but the nations aren't all around us all the time. there's people in places that have never heard. Well, I think that's one thing, that's one great thing about the Lottie and Christmas offering. there's one specific way we can help, is that we can send missionaries... Overseas to places who are called to go to these foreign places and to share the love of Christ with those around them in those foreign places. The and of Christmas offering, a hundred percent of that that we do every Christmas, goes directly to the National Mission Board missionaries to the to the mission board, and a hundred percent goes to their work and their livelihood and making sure that they're taken care of and doing the work that they're supposed to be doing. I can't think of a better use, a, a better stewardship of resources. Than to give to people who are making the gospel known to people who have never heard the first time. You know we talk all the time about the second coming. But we have these literally billions of people who had not even heard of the first yet. And we need to be make sure that they get a chance to hear as well. So to pool our resources through Lottie Moon and things, that's, I think the, the Christmas offering, I think, I think we need to 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 give sacrificially to that. We, our family, gives to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and we're going as international missionaries. So we're technically giving back to ourselves, but we think it's so important that we kind of think of it going to somebody else, sharing the gospel in some place as well. But some of you, I think, want to be a, a part of the work. And I think the body of Christ has to be a part of the work more specifically than just giving money. Cause that's too easy, isn't it? Just to write a check and say, I've taken care of my part and the nations. I think that's too easy. I think as a church that we need to be partnering more with missionaries. And that's, that's Brittany Nye's and, and our family's prayer. And hopefully we can partner with you guys as we ship out on December 27th to Central Asia and to, for you guys to partner with us. Number one, through prayer, through forgiving, maybe even Come to visit and do some trips, some vision trips and mission trips. I'm not sure what God has in plan, but we need to seek those things out. But just to make a decision and pray, God, how can I make the gospel known to places? Well, you can partner with us and do it through us as the body of Christ, and we can hopefully see people come to know Him through that. Now, Brittany' I's story. Uh, Brittany is a Stevens. A lot of you guys know Mike and Barbara. Uh, who are, he's a deacon in the church, and and there's. We, we, I love my in-laws and they're great people and Brittany and I got married about three years ago and actually we met on a cruise boat. Isn't that interesting? I was sitting in a seafood line and I just saw this cute little girl next to me and I asked her if she wanted to eat a shrimp with me. And so it went on from there. But we, uh, from the beginning, from the very beginning, I said, you know what, Brittany, I, I know that God's call on my life specifically is to go and tell people and, and, other contexts in foreign lands that they need Jesus. And if you're not really about that, then then maybe we need to part ways. And she said, well, I feel like the same calling in my life. Let's hold hands and do it together. And so that's been our, been our, our dream and our plan from the beginning. I've been doing youth ministry up near Granbury, Texas for the past three and a half years while going to Southwestern Seminary, and I just graduated in May from there. And so even though we love discipling those youth and loving those youth and reaching out to them, we always knew in the back of our heart and our mind that that we had a bigger plan um, in terms of God's master plan in a foreign place. And so we're finally getting to live that out now. Now, the people we're going to work with, I can't say specifically who they are or even what country we're going to because it's a close country. In many places like in, say, Africa... You can go there and actually get a missionary visa. You could get a missionary tattooed on your forehead and it wouldn't matter. You could stay in the country as long as you wanted. But the place we're going, uh, you can't be there as a missionary. And so we've got to find other ways of access to the country and its clothes. And so we can't say out loud because it's a small world, as many of you know that. And there's too many connections in this world. Um, but obviously if you come visit us, then we have to tell you where you're going. So if you really want to know, then come on and visit and we'll tell you then. Now this, this people group, there are about 10 million of them. 10 million, and they're spread among a few different countries, and they are less than, get this, .02% Christian. .0, 0, not, not 2 or .2, .02%. That's less than 2 for every 10,000 people there who are Christian. That's less than. They don't know for sure how many there are. So there's a great and a grave need in this place. We have um, we have two parts to our work. Uh it's an open ended term. So we go for three years, three to four years, we come back for several months, and then we gear back up and go back for three or four years and we keep doing that cycle over and over again until God tells us to stop. And so for our first probably term we're gonna be joining a team that's already there working among this people. They're doing humanitarian aid work there. So if you go to a village we find they don't have any drinkable water, or they have hard access to water, or they're having to walk miles to bring water. We'll drill a well there, and while we do that, we share the gospel. Or maybe a uh, lots of snowfall or a landslide happens, and lots of... Um, I mean, the village can't cope in, anymore, then we go in there and help in whatever way we can. People are usually more receptive to the gospel when you're helping them physically. They're more open spiritually as well. Usually, not always the case, but usually. And so that's going to be our job for the first three years doing that. Now, for the second term, or whenever God calls us, which may end up being shorter than that, um, to go is in the neighboring country, there's a city of 300,000 people that doesn't have any known gospel witness. Can you imagine that? That's almost the that's almost population of, of Fort Worth, and there's not any gospel witness in the entire city that we know of. And so we feel God's leading us to enter in that city. And we got to be creative in getting in there because they're very suspicious of foreigners moving in. Either through a business platform or uh, maybe through humanitarian aid. I'm not sure what God has, but we're praying about it. And you need to pray, hopefully, with us as well, how God may have us to to enter in that country. Because we need to make an effort for these people. We have 0.02%, and there's little hope of anybody hearing the gospel with those type of odds against them. And so those are the two parts of our work and we're willing to make an effort to, to find a creative way how God may have us infiltrate that place so why would we plan our family here I mean why we've, I've got two beautiful little girls Kenden who's two Avelyn she's six months that she'll'll be up here here in a few minutes uh, when you pray over us but why would we do that I mean that seems kind of extreme doesn't it I mean we had well we had the same motivation as you what Christ did for us it, it, it drives us to make known so other people can enjoy fellowship with God. And the second thing, we know our mission. Uh, I, I As a single, I actually spent time in this place already uh, for about a year and a half or so. And the first day I was there, we, we got off the plane and they gave us these language helpers. And, it, and I forgot to mention, this place is 98% Islam too, 90% Muslims. And so we get off the plane... And they give us these language helpers, and we, they're supposed to bring us around town, show us how to buy food, just kind of acquaint us with the city and stuff. And and so that night after we'd spend time with them, and uh, I'm I'm the kind of guy that uh, pretty it, it's hard for me to for me to cry. Let me just say that you you know I watched Pride and Prejudice. You know it didn't shake a tear out of me or anything. Um, you know I'm very work on logic, work on fact kind of kind of personality. Uh, but that night, when I started praying during our team prayer meeting that first night, and spending time with my language helper who was a Muslim, uh, he'd been his whole life his mom and dad are, I just, I just wept and I couldn't help it, and I couldn't stop either. It took a long time, and I, because I came to a realization of how blessed I was living in a place in America where I can drive pretty much ten or fifteen minutes in any direction and find a church and you hear the good news. I can turn on the TV most days and hear the gospel. Preached sometimes, I mean, some stations. And, and I realized this guy had never had that opportunity his entire life, um, up until somebody shared with him, which I ended up sharing with him, and he ended up becoming a believer. Um, but he never had that opportunity until somebody came to share with him. And we think it's that important And these people, just like I have had the blessing of hearing the gospel preached to me all my life, I've been a Christian since I was 13. And I need to go, and I feel God's calling on our lives to go. And it's important enough to replant our family in a foreign place, even if there's Islam there. That it's important enough to make the gospel known to these people, so they have the opportunity to respond, just like I did. Now, I was also on a mission trip one time when I was uh, in college and up in New York City and Manhattan, and we were helping a church planter there, uh, just kind of spread the news of this new church that was being uh, started. And during the night, after we had been working that day, we took a little R&R and we went down to Times Square. I don't know if you've ever been to Times Square. Um, I don't, this might have been the weekend, but there's just people everywhere. I couldn't get them off me. You know, it's just all like flies. And being from Texas, I was a little bit uncomfortable. But they always warn you, um, you know, watch your wallet in these places. You know, you may have heard that get on the subway and stuff. And so I was always patting my rear end like that, checking my wallet was there. And one time a guy... When we were walking there, this guy kind of brushed behind my back and hit my rear, and I'm like, "I think that this guy might just got him. just took my wallet, so I felt my wallet in my back pocket, and my wallet was gone and I looked over to me, this little Asian guy was there, and so I said, "I've got to do something about this and so I turned to this guy and I grabbed him by his shoulders and i and I started shaking him, I say, "Give me my wallet, give me my wallet and By that time, I realized I'm wearing cargo shorts, and i uh I pat down the side of my leg and I feel my wallet in my side pocket. And here I am in the middle of these thousands of people holding this little Asian man, yelling at him, hand me my wallet. It's a little bit uncomfortable. I don't know if you've been in that situation before. And so I let the guy go and I, and I say, oh, sorry, I found it. And I turn and that, that didn't fix it. You don't know if you know, that didn't just fix it because I just embarrassed this guy in front of all these people. And I start walking away and he starts following me and I start getting a little scared and I speed walk away and I finally get away from the guy. But I was willing to do something very awkward and uncomfortable because I had lost something of value, right? I mean, if you lost your wallet full of credit cards and cash, you might do something out of the ordinary. You might fight to get it back what was lost. And with that same type of, in that same way, I mean... The gospel, we need to be fighting, because what's lost, we have these billions of people who have no access to the gospel, have never heard the gospel, and they're lost lost sheep. You know, we need to be making an effort and doing things that maybe people around us aren't doing. Maybe people around you think you're weird, you're spending so many resources and time, you're praying all the time for these people, going on mission trips, whatever it is, for the sake of the Great Commission. And these people have never heard, because what is lost needs to be found, because it has great value, not only to you, but especially to the father and so we need to be making that effort and so i i'm just encouraged uh just to maybe partner with you guys in some form or fashion and you need to pray and work out in your own self in your own seeking god what what is my part am i doing my part in the great commission right now in, in my workplace in my life of my family We're about to have christmas about to be around friends and family Maybe you haven't even considered, you know what, I am a witness to my family. I need to share it with them this Christmas. Because when's a better time when you're surrounded by your family and friends than to share the good news here this Christmas? And also, I need you to also consider how you might partner with us, Brittany and I specifically, as we go to Central Asia and reach out to these Muslim people who need an opportunity. They just need an opportunity. We need to share the gospel with them. And would you partner with us? Because we can't do it on our own. We need the church, the body of Christ loving us, encouraging us and in an email, some prayer, and we'll send you prayer updates and all those things, and, and back in the back there's a table with a sign up list and our prayer card, uh, I love, we want you to get on there so we connect with you. But also maybe you've never even made a decision, maybe you're hearing these things about how important the good news is, and you've never even made a decision yourself about how Jesus has died for your sins, and that you can do nothing on your own to earn salvation. I mean, even among your friends and family, you can be a better sinner than others, but you still are far, far from the, from God's, um, quota, from God's level of perfection. And there's, there's really two ways to get to heaven. I don't know if you realize that. There's actually two ways. The first way is through perfection. So if you're a perfect individual who's never sinned like Jesus, then you, then you have a free walk, uh, into heaven. But I'm assuming none of us in here have, have, reach that first uh, level. And so the second thing we do is trust Jesus for what he's done for us and receive the gift of salvation. So I encourage you to do that. I'm going to close this in prayer, and Pastor Mike's going to be down here if you want to come talk to him about these things. And we appreciate you guys having uh, us here and, um, and look forward to what God has in store. So let me pray for us. Lord God, we thank you for today and we thank you for uh, just the good news and that we live in a place here in america that we can hear the gospel freely and i pray we wouldn't take advantage of that god and we take that light to other places you would encourage every person here in their own heart to do that in their own setting and if you'd have them maybe even take a step out for mission work and you want them to take it out to foreign places as well god i pray you lead them to do that god so we look forward to what you have for us and help us stay obedient and close to you so we don't miss out Uh, on this plain thing that you've made clear to us in Scripture. We ask Jesus' name, amen.